Many times we will write a press release about a newsworthy topic and we will actually send it to selective media outlets. We'll send it to the reporters that we know actually cover this thing. We'll be very intentional, very brand focused, and we study what journalists in a particular client sector are writing about. How are they writing? What are they writing about? What's the news and how could we fit into that news story? So we're becoming a lot more targeted. Also, it's so important these days to build relationships. Even a virtual relationship with a reporter could really develop into something very, very important. And it could develop into your organization getting media coverage. Successful brands are rooted in purpose and driven by the potential to make a positive impact on their customers. Welcome to The Pursuit of Purpose with Amy Austin. Each week, Amy brings you practical advice to embrace the power of purpose in all aspects of your business and transform it into the central storyline for your branding and marketing strategies. Welcome back to The Pursuit of Purpose and our first episode of 2021. I hope you all had a wonderful holiday season and are already starting to have a prosperous new year. I'm curious, how do you start your new year? Do you, do you do resolutions or a word of the year? I know I've talked to a lot of people recently who set intentions. I think I'm more on board with the word of the year and being intentional. During my break from producing new episodes, I did listen to a lot of podcasts. Imagine that. And one of them that really stood out to me was episode 312 of the 10% Happier podcast with Dan Harris. In this episode, he talks with Dr. Lori Santos about how we are approaching resolutions wrong and offers several strategies to fix them. One suggestion they talked about was to consider the action that you are about to take through a filter of kindness. Think about it this way. Is eating this bowl of ice cream treating my body with kindness? Is going snowshoeing being kind to my body? Because let's face it, most of our resolutions tend to be about improving our health. So if we flip the switch and think about what are we doing and is it being kind to ourselves instead of putting pressure on ourselves to achieve that resolution that chances are will be abandoned by February 1, being kind is something that we want that we strive to do year round. I don't know. I'm going to consider this one, and I'm planning on re-listening to this episode. So if you're still working on setting intentions, resolutions, or goals for 2021, this episode might be really helpful for you. I would encourage you to check it out, and I will put the link in the show notes. Now, as for my intention for this podcast in 2021, I plan to bring you more interviews with people who are living their purpose, as well as those whose expertise is made better because they understand the purpose of their work. Now, here is a quick list of a few of the interviews I have prepared and ready to go for you in the coming weeks. Kim Hamer is a human resources professional who is on a mission to help managers understand and be more supportive of their employees who are facing a cancer diagnosis. She has written a book and started her own podcast to help further this mission. Be sure to check out 100 Acts of Love, How to Help When Cancer Strikes. This book is filled with ideas and suggestions on how you can help or support a friend 
or family member who is facing cancer. Next, I interview Scott J. Miller, and he is an entrepreneur and former chief marketing officer and executive vice president of thought leadership at the Franklin Covey organization. During our conversation, we talk about his recent transition into entrepreneurship and how he hopes this business will teach his three young boys lessons on running a business and being courageous, and how he is using his experience to author a series of management books and launch a leadership development program. Finally, I interview Kristen Sherry, the founder of UMAP, a career profile system and certification program that reveals the four pillars of career fit. Kristen and I discuss how she created this system and how her purpose continues to motivate her as she moves into writing a series of children's books and to expand the reach of the UMAP system. If you have been listening to this show for very long, you know that I spend quite a bit of time reading business books. In an upcoming episode, I've invited Holly Adams to join me in a discussion of Daniel Pink's book, When, The Scientific Secrets of Perfect Timing. Holly is a friend, and she's a coach focused on the mental toughness of high-performing professionals. I'm looking forward to this discussion, and it may become a regular feature of the show. As for this week, I am joined by Julie Livingston. She's a PR professional and president of Want Leverage Communications. Julie helps under-the-radar companies and brands break through the clutter to increase their industry authority, drive web traffic, inquiries, and sales. We talk about the basics of public relations, how the industry has changed, and why PR can be a valuable strategy for businesses, regardless of how big they are. Thank you for coming back and listening to more episodes of The Pursuit of Purpose. I appreciate your support, and I hope that I continue to bring you back week after week to learn more. So my guest today on The Pursuit of Purpose is Julie Livingston, and she is a public relations professional. I wanted to talk with Julie today because I really feel that public relations is something that is widely used, but yet widely misunderstood as a discipline within our tool bag of what we can do to get our message out. So Julie, thank you for agreeing to be a guest. And can you just tell my listeners a little bit about you and what you do with your clients? Amy, it's great to be here with you. Thanks so much for having me. I have a public relations consultancy. It's called Want Leverage Communications. We serve under the radar companies and individuals, people who, you know, organizations that really need to raise their visibility in the sector in which they operate so that they can reach new audiences and drive web traffic and social media buzz and sales. So I've been in public relations and marketing for about 30 years. I've had my own business twice. So I'm kind of a serial entrepreneur. It's definitely at the core of what I do because I help companies that are lacking in visibility and notoriety to really get noticed. So I have a real passion for this industry and for helping businesses to get noticed for what they're really great at, what they stand for. Exactly. And that, you know, is so much of what I do as well, other than I put it under the umbrella of brand strategy and helping them understand what are those stories that you need to be able to tell? What is it about you that makes you unique and different so that then my clients have something to feed into someone like you who can help them take it even further? So let's just level the field. What is the definition of, of public relations? 
public relations has really changed a lot in the last 10 years because of the rise of the internet, like all businesses. And it's still developing because of the rise of new technology and social media platforms, etc. But Generally speaking, public relations is an image building tool that fits under the marketing umbrella. Everything that we do from crafting key messages to cultivating media spokespersons to reaching out to the media to place our clients in media outlets that matter most to them to developing partnerships, strategic partnerships that could extend their reach and developing content and placing content and most importantly, providing public relations counsel on a regular basis. I get asked questions from clients constantly. They want my judgment and my opinion as a marketer as to are their plans for marketing and promotion intentional? Are they on brand? Do they fit with their goals and objectives? And exactly. so PR counsel is a huge part of what we do. And we're most successful as PR people one, we have a seat at the management table, and that's been proven through a lot of research, so that when the communications person is involved in senior management level meetings, that person can really glean what's going on and make the most informed recommendations. And a lot of companies still struggle with this today, but it really, it makes so much sense. It saves time and money and energy when that happens, and that can occur internally if you have a communications team but also with an external person like me because you know i build relationships with my clients that are based on trust and i certainly have a lot of integrity in what i do so they can trust me to come to me with a lot of different dilemmas you know should we publish a statement how should we handle this crisis that's just occurred that could affect our reputation i think that gives you in a nutshell what public relations is when you said that communications belongs at the table, I immediately thought of the scene in Hidden Figures when she is, and I can't think of her name now, but she's saying, look, I need to be at this table and hearing the things that are changing so that I can be on top of the math that needs to happen. And they were resistant to the idea, mainly in that case, because she was a woman and oh, because she was also a black woman, that they didn't want her at that table. but the realization of why she needed to be at that table is exactly the same as what you're describing as to why marketing communications PR has to have a perspective at the table in leadership because they may make a decision that could hurt them much more in the end than what they take into consideration at the leadership table when they're discussing it because we bring a valuable perspective that is often overlooked at those leadership you're discussions. So, you're so right, Amy. In fact, recently, a client, and this is a client with some serious reputational issues. They've had some serious personnel issues with former employees bringing up lawsuits about issue, things that have happened in the past. But they did not include me in meetings with the attorney and with the other senior leaders in the organization who were convening about this. So the information I was getting was sort of through telephone, through playing telephone. Remember that game? Mm -hmm. yep. And it really, it really lost something in the translation. I wasn't able to really give a substantive response to give them the kind of PR counsel I would have if I had been a, even a fly on the wall in those discussions with the attorney and what we need to think about and the kinds of statements we need to prepare 
all of these things. I would have been more um, educated about and could have done better troubleshooting for them if I had been at that conversation table. Yes, it's so true because they're too close to it. If they're under they're leading operations, they're thinking about it from an operational standpoint. If it's a human resource person, they're thinking about it from, from a legal human resource perspective or how is this going to play out you know, with future hiring practices or whatever. They're thinking about it within their own vertical that they represent. Whereas I believe when we're at the table, we one, bring the voice of the customer to the table and the general public, the outward appearance of what it is, is happening. But we also, at least I find this to be true for me, have a better ability to look at it as the broader umbrella across the entire organization. Because in order for me to do a good job representing a company from a marketing perspective, I have to understand all aspects of their business. I have to understand where the money's coming from. So I have to understand revenue. I have to understand how they're how they're hiring people, what their culture looks like, who are the types of people that they're hiring. So I need to understand HR. I need to understand how the business flows. So I need to understand operations. I don't know that there's many other functions within a business that needs to understand the holistic view of it as much as what marketing does other than a CEO. I couldn't agree more, Amy. And in fact, you know, marketing, you and I, right? We also have a special talent for listening and for identifying these these innuendos, these nuances as that are a part of these issues that really could have great impact on an organization's reputation and an image that are so critical and so important. These are things that other executives may not notice as well as we do. We sort of have a radar for that kind of stuff. Exactly. Exactly. So let's talk a little bit about when I started in the field 20-ish years ago, it was pretty common practice for us to write a press release for anything that any new service that we were introducing. Because I started in healthcare marketing, so I was in a hospital-based marketing department. So anytime we had a new service that we were bringing on board, we would send a press release out. We would try and drum up media attention. I did a lot of coordination of getting docs in front of the health reporters and you know that, that type of thing. Well, obviously, the way things are done now is very different. And there is a, a shift. I heard recently on Donald Miller's podcast about the five necessary things that, that should go into any communication campaign. One of them was a a press release because his thought, and I tended to agree with him, was that we have started just forgetting about the press release and forgetting about the value that it can actually bring into the broader scope of a communications campaign. What what do you think about that? Do you feel like that's that we're missing opportunity by not including or not developing a press release? The value of a press release has really changed in recent years, and I'll tell you why. And that's not to say it doesn't have an important role in the communications process, but it's a different role than it used to have. It used to be that if you had any kind of industry news, you would, you know, you would write a press release and you would pay to put it out on the national newswire. And you'd sort of kind of spray and pray, as we call it. You know, you'd put it out there and hope that people would, reporters would notice it. 
but things have gotten a lot more targeted, certainly with the internet and the rise of so many more media outlets, specialized media outlets that are really wonderful platforms for companies to get their news on. Many times we will write a press release about a newsworthy topic and we will actually send it to selective media outlets. We'll send it to the reporters that we know actually cover this thing. We'll be very intentional, very brand focused, and we study what journalists in a particular client sector are writing about. How are they writing? What are they writing about? What's the news and how could we fit into that news story? So we're becoming a lot more targeted. Also, it's so important these days to build relationships. Even a virtual relationship with a reporter could really develop into something very, very important. And it could develop into your organization getting media coverage. That happens by following the journalists that cover your particular industry on their social media platforms, especially Twitter. Still, that is the platform where journalists live and where they search for sources. So following those reporters who really are in your space and be kind of becoming an expert on what they're writing, their tone, their perspective, commenting on what they write when appropriate, when you have something substantive to add, sharing their commentary, when again, when it makes sense. This is sort of like giving someone a heads up, a thumbs up, you know, like, I like this. So we're, we're doing a lot of that relationship building also, companies that are looking to increase their exposure are wise to have set up on their website a newsroom area. Because once your brand is on the radar of a reporter, maybe they'll visit your website. But where are they going to go? Reporters are so stretched for time these days. They are, I mean, you know all of the changes in the media landscape. There have been a lot of layoffs at major media companies. Reporters who were once specialists in one, one news beat, like education, are now covering multiple industries. They don't have the time to do that much research. But if you're following them on social and you're sort of popping up on, you know, in a substantive way so that you're building trust with them, trust for, about your brand, you're being intentional about it, create a, a place for them, a repository of key information on your website called a newsroom. It's like a landing page. Create a newsroom area. And what do you post there? You post your press releases. So you don't necessarily need to put a press release out on the national newswire, which is expensive. And it's not necessarily, it, you know, it depends. In some cases, it makes sense to put something out on the newswire. But a lot of times, if you put something in your newsroom, and then you, you share it on your social media platforms, and if you develop this rapport with reporters and they start making it a routine of checking your news, see what you've got going on, they're going to find it. So you're going to house your press releases. You're going to put in any important graphics. Maybe it's a, a photo of your products or services of your key executives, key executive bios, FAQ or frequently asked questions downloadable. Making it easy for reporters to get information from you will really help them to learn about you and to use you as an information source. Right. And all of those things, like you said, does make their job so much easier. If they know that they can go to your website and find almost everything that they need to be able to have a really good structure 
to what they're going to write about before they've actually even talked with you or interviewed someone from your organization. You've done a lot of the work for them, and they're going to be more likely to come back to you the next time they need something there's, as well. There's no question about it. And in fact, I also encourage clients to put on the top of their newsroom page the topics that they're most likely to be experts in, the, one, the topics that they should be talking about with the reporter. Oh, that's a great idea. So easy. I talk about branding, marketing, XYZ. I talk about widgets and innovation and use of new technology, whatever it is, make it really easy. And also that will help with your search engine optimization. If you use keywords that reporters might be searching for, they're going to find you and they're going to find your ads valuable. Exactly. I would imagine that back in the February, March timeframe, there was a lot of demand for public relations council as we all shifted from being our pre-COVID self to our unknown COVID self. How have you seen companies do that really well? Or conversely, how have you seen companies not make that transition very well from a PR standpoint? Well, this is actually, a I hate to say it, but COVID has presented an opportunity for some organizations that have something to share that's related to COVID to attract the attention of reporters. So if you make a type of a new type of mask or an air cleaning kind of product, germ protection product, if you're a physician that specializes in immunology or respiratory disease, now is actually a good time to pitch reporters on those kind of topics and tell them that you're an expert in those areas. But I did find that when COVID first started, there were a lot of issues around that companies had around internal communication with their employees and maintaining transparency and kind of telling employees what they were doing in terms of office closures, how they were changing their work from home policies and setting some parameters in place and making, using that communication See, this is another thing that public relations does. Using that communication to further, to further engage employees and maintain that level of trust. I know of one company that did such a poor job. You know, every day they just weren't clear until maybe five o'clock at the end of the day, five o'clock at night, employees would get an email saying, you know, the office is closed tomorrow. Like it was too last minute. There was a lot of confusion at that time, but any company that really thought through their brand values and what they wanted to communicate to employees about that, if they wanted to communicate the stability of their business, then regular communication and maintaining transparency was really, really important. It continues to be so. Yeah, because now we're in the opposite where we're trying to figure out how are we reopening? How many people are we going to allow into our business? I have friends who still work in administrative positions at the hospital that I had been at who they've been told, we want to minimize the amount of extra people in the building as much as possible. Don't look to come back into working in the office on a, on a full-time basis until at least March or April. So they're, they're looking at, you know, all total a year working from home. And that's out of an abundance of caution and the unknowns of what are we going to look like? So this is something we can control. We're going to just say, this is what we're doing. 
this is a little bit of a tangent from the question you asked me, but it is difficult now. It is definitely challenging now for a lot of companies to pitch mainstream media, national media outlets, if they don't have something COVID related to say. So you have to kind of stand by a little bit on that. However, now is a very good time to reach out to industry trade publications in your sector where you could share your expertise and really zero in on your target customers because those reporters are not as COVID concerned. You have to fill their pages with news. So if you have an innovation, if your company has solidified a partnership that's going to you know, result in something it's something extraordinary for the industry. That's a great time to share that. It's also a great time to share one's opinion on things. You know, a lot of industry trades do accept guest posts, contributed content. And this is a wonderful way for companies and brands to showcase their expertise. That's an excellent point. Thank you for, for sharing that, Julie. Because as we all know, COVID fatigue is true, is a reality. And when you have those trade publications who maybe aren't as connected to the COVID issues at hand, they do need to fill those pages and, and figure out, we still have to continue as business as usual in an unusual circumstance, I guess is maybe how I would say it. What advice would you give to someone who is looking at, maybe they're in a a second stage business, they're established, but they're in that process of really ramping up and trying to hit a new growth trajectory. What advice would you give them as it relates to their visibility that can be acquired through some, some pretty easy PR or basic PR tactics that they could implement, maybe on their own or through some assistance on a more minimal basis? I think it's a great opportunity for second stage companies to share their thought leadership and expertise and their unique selling point. You know, what positions their brand, their company, what things do they do that's different in the market? And so sharing thought leadership can be done in a number of ways by creating content, either in written form or even on video. Videos are extremely shareable and is a great way to really bring a personal touch and kind of introduce the people or the person behind the brand. I love video content. If you've got a spokesperson, an executive who's great on camera, that could be wonderful and, and a little different. But you could, as I said before, you could definitely develop some thought leadership pieces that you reach out to industry trade publications to see if you could get that placed you can use LinkedIn as a publishing tool. That is a wonderful business platform to get across your point of view on industry news and certainly your social media platforms as well. One of the platforms that I really like are the live formats on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn so that you could do live video, you could share events. And this creates excitement and interest and it really is they're wonderful engagement tools and they help you to get to know your audience more. I've done a lot of Facebook lives with a number, with a few clients. One client was Women's Lifestyle Magazine. And by doing Facebook lives, we were engaging with the audience. You know, we were getting their comments, their feedback. It was awesome. We were, not only were we sharing our content, but we were learning about what our audience wanted to hear from us. Oh, exactly. So I think that the live platforms are really, if used right, they can be very powerful. For another client, we recently produced a global event. Times of COVID, you can't have live events. Exactly. So we had 
get speakers from around the globe, musicians, artists, inspirational speakers. This is for a faith-based nonprofit. And, you know, we started promoting it in the two weeks leading up to the event and really building our audience. And so when the event actually happened, it created just a pop of, you know, a flurry of excitement and social media activity and lots of great content that we then used after the event because we had the video that we then sliced up and shared on social, on our website. I, th I think that raises another important point to remember is that when you do something like what you just described, a big, a big event or a live event on Facebook, even where you're generating information and having a dialogue, it's important to go back to that and continue to use it going forward. It doesn't mean that just because the live feed is done, that the event is done, or that you can't continue to talk about it and repurpose it. Because you've put a lot of time and attention and energy into producing that event, create more legs for it so that it can carry you further and remain top of mind because an hour-long live video could probably produce hundreds of pieces of content. That you can you. use that throughout the whole year. And, and actually, I heard you talk about this on one of your podcasts, and it really struck me that, you know, reusing content and slicing and dicing it up in new ways is just, it just makes sense. It really makes sense. If it's content that's intentional and on brand, if it's imbued with your purpose, mm -hmm. So valuable. Right. We actually, to, to promote our event, we actually, um, because there were speakers from all over the globe, we actually created social media graphics featuring them mm -hmm. um, that they could share it on their social platforms. You know, we created this whole marketing program uh, to get the word out about this particular event. It gave it a lot of legs. Right. And I think, I, I think I know which, which episode you were talking about. And my point there was that we are in such a high paced, we want immediate gratification and, and a quick response that we feel like when we do something that we need to push it out quickly and that it's just going to automatically happen. It's not a one and done, you know, it's, we need to hear something repeatedly. We need to see it repeatedly. What did you say? It takes 30, 30 listens to really? Some, yeah, I've, I've seen research from anywhere from as few as like seven up to as high as 30 or 35. And I think it really just depends on that seven is probably somebody who is already very vested in, in the product or in the service or, or deeply into the need for it. So they don't need to hear it as many times. Whereas if you are... You know, an event like what you were talking about for this faith-based organization, it might be something that I do need to hear multiple times because I don't realize that it's going to fulfill a need that I have. I haven't necessarily recognized the problem or the need that it can fill in my life until I've heard it repeatedly. I also like to remember the, the idea of that if you're going to put a ton of effort into creating a project, you need to put at least one and a half times of energy and effort into promoting what you've just spent a huge amount of time producing. Because if you don't do more to promote it, what was the point of producing it? I, I couldn't agree more. You, you really have to get all of the juice out of the melon, you know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. If you were to give someone just a couple of pieces of 
of solid advice about generating some attention or becoming a thought leader, because I think that is such a buzzword right now, what would you tell them to do? What would be two things that you would say, you know, if you want to be a thought leader in your chosen industry or your chosen field, what are two things that they should they should just start doing and do really well in order to get them on that path? Great questions, Amy. I would start by studying the other thought leaders in the space. Who are they? What makes them stand out? And what topics are they not covering so well that you can cover? So I would really analyze who my competitor thought leaders are. And then I would start by just kind of playing around on social media. Start with LinkedIn or, or your company blog and start writing short pieces. And by short, I mean like 350 words about key topics that you think will interest your target audiences. If you're going to be a little bit more ambitious, and I do recommend this, is creating an editorial content calendar so that you can map out for every day of the week a general topic so that you could kind of create a cadence and a flow to the content. Sure. And I would make sure to use keywords. Oh, I'm going past two, two items, but make sure you have those keywords in there so that you can amplify your content and get found on social media. Right. And I would just add to that is that once you've done that, make sure that you're actually promoting it <laughs> because just because you've written it and posted it does not mean someone will see it. Right. So, well, thank you so much, Julie. I think this is a, a really great place to just kind of wrap up our conversation. Last question. Is there someone, a thought leader or a business that you really feel gets it right when it comes to, to public relations and that we can maybe or that my listeners can follow and get some ideas and inspiration on how they might implement some PR tactics into their own businesses. Yeah, I think there, there are a couple of brands that I often look to because they just seem to be so in sync with their customers. And one is Whole Foods. Yeah, they're a good one. Uh, and the other one is, is Target. I just think their messaging is incredible. Eddie Bauer is another brand that I, that I follow. I think they've done a great job of storytelling around yeah. their, their brand. That's been quite special. But yeah. perhaps we can talk on a, another time about some of the brands that are doing it right. Yes, that would be a great conversation. And I agree with you on Target. You know, not too long ago, they put on one of their children's graphics for in the store uh, a child who was in a wheelchair and a mother shared a picture of her child who was in a wheelchair, stopped looking at it. And the response that her child had in seeing another child in a wheelchair in a, in a store graphic and the impact that that made on that, on that child and on that family as a whole was really heartwarming. It's a great that's story powerful, to be able. That's powerful. And that's how, that's how smart brands build brand affinity and loyalty. Exactly. Well, thank you so much, Julie. I will include in the show notes links to where we can find you. If you want to go ahead and just share that quickly, we can do that. But listeners, rest assured, they will be in the show notes as well. You can learn more about my business, Want Leverage Communications, and how to bring your under the radar business to the forefront at wantleverage.com. 
and email me. I'd love to chat and learn more about your PR goals. So set up a 30-minute free consult by emailing me at julie at wantleverage.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Julie. I've really enjoyed this conversation about where where we are in a state of public relations because it's certainly different than it was. Thank you so much for having me. A pleasure. Thank you. So the other day, I posted on LinkedIn about my service called the Marketing Director on Call, and I had a person reach out to me and say, hey, I don't know what this is. Can you tell me more about it? So I thought maybe I should tell you about it too. We're all familiar with a physician calling on another physician to help with a patient, right? That physician there calling is on call. My on-call service is the same thing. If you are responsible for marketing but have no one to brainstorm ideas with or have marketing responsibilities as quote, other duties as assigned. Or maybe you are a founder or a business owner who is looking to bootstrap as many business functions as possible until you've grown enough to hire a bigger team. Each of these roles may put you in a position to want to talk to an expert in marketing or branding. And you know what? That's me. And that's where the marketing director on call service is valuable. You drive the agenda, we brainstorm and strategize for an hour, working out an action plan, and you leave with clarity and confidence to make it happen. I'm on call for you. Your second opinion is a phone or now a Zoom call away. Check out the link in the show notes for more information about the marketing director on call service and also how to schedule a discovery call to, to find out if it's the right service for you. I look forward to hearing from you. This has been the Pursuit of Purpose podcast presented by Austin Marketing. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast player. Head over to amyaustinmarketing.com for links and resources mentioned in today's show, as well as ways to subscribe and connect with Amy. Thanks for listening.